Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful again um, for Jesus and for the way that he has worked in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the commitments that we've made to seek a deeper revival and a deeper experience with you. Lord, you know that each of us need you. And in order to experience 100% member involvement in our churches and in our schools, that we cannot do this without you. And so, Lord, we pray for that deeper revival and that you would help us to lead others in a deeper revival themselves, that we might move on um, through these different keys of building total member involvement in our churches. We thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, just to answer the question, why total member involvement? For those of you who are new joining this session, we will have one quote to review. Why total member involvement? It's because we want Jesus to come. Amen? We are longing to see Jesus face to face and to experience uh, that true latter rain, the power of the Holy Spirit coming down in our own lives. That's why we're here today. And secondly, how can we as young people and as young at heart, how can we inspire others to also be involved so that the end shall come? So as we're thinking about this, there is a quote that we shared in our last session that I'll share again. It says, The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with His glory, will not come until we have an enlightened people that know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. When we have entire wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of His Spirit without measure but this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. So why total member involvement? So that we can experience the largest portion of the church being actively co-laborers together with God. Um, you may ask yourself the question, though, how is this going to happen? Is this really happening in people's lives here in North America, in the North American division? How can we see 100% of the church members active? When I go to church, you know, it's 20 to 30% that are doing everything. How can I see um, not the busy people get busier, but those who aren't as involved? How can I see them get involved? And we have a video that we're going to share um, that is encouraging um, from a guy by the name of Jason Wichapool. So we're going to start with this as a testimony of what is happening here in North America. And if someone wants to flip the lights. So I'm an energy advisor. I uh, specialize advising uh, individuals with their solar needs, as well as uh, air conditioning, um, any electric or gas questions they have. I, my job is to make sure that their home is more energy efficient, which helps the environment out, which also helps the community out, helps the customers out save money. So it's a win-win. It's a great way to you know, provide for my family. God has blessed me with you know, When I first met this guy that my friend had introduced me to, um, he gave me all the answers straight from the Bible. And that's what I respected about having his faith was answers came uh, directly from the Bible and it wasn't uh, man's opinion or man's understanding. So I was very blessed by that. Today my wife and I are seven-day minutes. We've been blessed by the church. Um, more importantly, blessed by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, it's just an absolute blessing to have him in our lives. He saved our marriage. Uh, today he's blessed us with uh, a good family, uh, two wonderful kids, son and a daughter. 
and uh, just absolutely um, blessed. And so I'm uh, very appreciative of our friends and um, those who led us to Christ. And we feel that is our mission and our desire to lead others to Christ as well. Cool thing is in our in our community, um, our neighborhood, there's not as many Adventists. Uh, however, there's a Adventist right below us. And since they moved in, they moved in about three months ago, we started thinking, okay, how can we evangelize our little area together? And so we started inviting our neighbors, family members, and friends, non-Adventists, to come over and study. So it's been an absolute blessing. Um, we've reached out to some of our neighbors by just simply inviting them out Friday night. Uh, sometimes it might be a little challenging for them. But the secret is keep being persistent, and they'll eventually come. Uh, they may not come every night, but at least the seeds are planted. And it's uh, just absolutely amazing to see people who are hungry for the truth, they want to study, and they're anxious to study, and here we have the truth. And we'll, the only way to get out there is by making the effort, taking action, going out there and wanting to study with people. So, And it's uh, just really good to know that, you know, to know the Bible, because if people know that you know the Bible, people will bring people to you. Mm. And, and uh, that's exactly what happened to this guy named Alfonso here. Um, you know, his daughter brought uh, him to me, and we began studying the Bible before you know it, the daughter... Uh, studies the Bible, and um, the father gets baptized, the daughter does profession of faith, her friend Greg gets baptized, and now her two brothers, I believe, are baptized. One is a deacon in the church, um, and I believe even the mom is now doing uh, Bible studies right now, so um, absolutely amazing. And so this guy, Alfonso, um, you know, he loves the Lord, I could tell, and, um, you, know, it, we, you know, it's just amazing to see his whole family and household come together in Christ. Isn't that powerful? What if, what if each one reached one? Have you ever had people get up and talk about that, right? If everyone reached one, and then they do the math, right? <laughs> and we all know within a year, we would have reached everyone. <laughs> and, and I ask myself the question sometimes, why don't we sit and think about that? And, and I was even thinking about it the other day, and I texted Brunel, and I was like, this total member involvement stuff is getting to me. Like, I'm thinking about this a lot more. And... And I know that when we do ministry, tell me if I'm wrong, oftentimes we're thinking, like, how many can I bring, right? We're like, I want to bring hundreds to Jesus, you know? And, and we neglect the fact that God may want to have us bring one. We neglect the fact that God may want to have us bring two. Or maybe he'll want to bring five. But you may not look like this huge, amazing, stellar star winner you know, soul winner that's like getting all these people that are baptized, but did you bring your faithful two or three? And did everyone do that? Because when you think about it at the end of the day, soul winning is not about pumping us up for what we've done, is it? It's just, it's just filling God's kingdom with his children. And so as you think about total member involvement, if each one reached one, we wouldn't have to have one person reaching 500, right? It would be each one reaching one. And, and I, I love the power behind um, thinking of the, the humility and the consistency that comes with, with someone like Jason who's having Bible studies with his neighbors, you know? And, and so as we're thinking about this, I hope that pictures are coming into your brain of those who you can reach out to, of those who you're wanting to help inspire. Even if you inspired one person to share with others, that's a multiplication effect. You know, if there was one person in your church that got more involved, that's better than no one at all. And so as you're thinking about this, I know we want to go in, yes, and turn our whole church upside down. But are you willing to go for one? Are you willing to go for two? Are you willing to do all of this 
if one, if one will come to Jesus. As, as we think about the keys to total member involvement, again, um, these, these are the five keys, and we're talking about them today. Revival is the first one we talked about in our first session, and we wanted to spend that amount of time on it because, honestly, it's our greatest need. Um, if I believe, you know, I've read different things, and some pastors have said that uh, if 95% of, um, if, we, if we stop, if, if, oh man, how did it go? It talks about the basic concept of with, with the Holy Spirit being taken away from the church, 95% of what we do could still go on. Um, but we want it to be the exact opposite, that when the Holy Spirit is taken away, nothing gets done. Because it's only by the Holy Spirit that these things can happen. Now, the second thing is inspiration. And you can't see it. It's just a pretty picture. (laughs) But inspiration. Write this down, guys. Inspire. Now, when you hear a powerful testimony and someone tells you about the change in their life, like I remember last year I heard Nathan's testimony at iShare of, of what God had done in his life. So exciting. Other people here in this room, you have heard testimonies before, right? And I get so excited. Like, as soon as I hear those testimonies, I'm like, I want to go out and knock on doors right now. I want to go out and hang out in my community. I want to be involved. And, and I want you to know there's power in you sharing your testimony. There's power in you sharing your testimony. It's interesting. Testimony says there are times when it is fitting for our ministers to give on the Sabbath in our churches short discourses full of the life and love of Christ. But the church members are not to expect a sermon every Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Seriously? We're not supposed to expect a sermon every week? I thought that's what pastors did, right? What does it say? Very interesting. It says, Those who have united with the Lord in the covenant of service are under bonds to unite with him in the great grand work of what? Of soul saving. Let the church members... During the week, act their part faithfully, and on the Sabbath, do what? Isn't that awesome? So, so are you picturing this in your head, right? Every member, total member involvement, all week long. And you come to church, and what's church? Yeah. It's a testimony session of what God has done throughout the week, right? And these aren't just testimonies of what God did 30 years ago. These are testimonies of what God did yesterday, right? It's, it's fresh. It has power because God did it yesterday. Um, you can't see the rest of this, but it says um, right here, the meeting will then be as meat in due season, bringing to all present new life and fresh vigor. You want to see life and fresh vigor come in your church? Start having members share testimonies of what God is doing in their life how God is using them to bring about salvation in the lives of others. It says, when God's people see the great need of working as Christ worked for the conversion of sinners, the testimonies borne by them in the Sabbath service will be filled with power. With joy, they will tell of the precious experience they have gained in working for others. Powerful. When you think about it, not to expect a sermon every week, but to be a time of inspiration, of testimony. So when you think about this, number one, we talked about revival. How can you and your church experience revival? How can you and your school experience revival? As a leader in total member involvement, a leader in TMI, are you going to take people with you into an experience of revival? And secondly, are you going to bring about inspiration in their lives? 
when you think about this. These are some of the ways you can do it. Have a fresh testimony spotlight at church every week. Amen. Every single week. And I know you may have, you know, pastors or administrators that say there isn't time, right? You know, there might be someone who's saying, oh, there's no time to put it into the bulletin, into the schedule. We've got a packed schedule, right? I can give you these quotes if you need them. <laughs> no. Um, and, and come to the panel. We'll talk about some ways. How can you do this? How can you implement and start integrating this into your churches? But I can tell you where there are people in the room that can testify to the power of a testimony every week. And this is not just um, a, a worker sharing their testimony, like a Bible worker or, or some, you know, paid worker. This is a member who is saying, this is what God did in my life. I did a Bible study. I was scared. And this is how God used me. I passed out a glow tract and I had a conversation with someone. I was in the, the store and I talked to the person who was getting oranges with me and we struck up a spiritual conversation and it was a powerful experience. Even if it's the smallest thing that someone's doing, them getting up and sharing it, Guaranteed. Renella tells me the story. At the series church, there was a member walking out after one of these testimony times, and, and she heard a member say to another member, man, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and, and I want you to know that peer testimony is so powerful because they're not looking at like, oh, well, Renella can do it because Renella is trained and blah, blah, blah. They're saying, what? You? Really? You know, and it's unfortunately that we think that way, but how much power can that give us, right? To know that anyone can be involved. Another thing is testimonies at large gatherings. Um, anyone here been to SoCal camp meeting, right? The, the power of miracle roadways and every time sharing tons of testimonies. Often, you know, camp meeting, right? Offering is over a million. Why? Because people are giving because of what God is doing. And it's powerful to see what God is doing. Another thing is just simply sharing one-on-one -on -one testimonies. Like Renella said, you know, the, the early apostolic church had none of the things that we have today, but what did they do? They had word of mouth, right? So as you're thinking about activating others and involving others, don't be afraid to just let the Holy Spirit speak through you and share your testimony of what God has done. And then last but not least, with media, I think it's powerful you know, just watching Jason Wichapool in his life and seeing what God is doing through him, that's a media testimony that could be shared at a church to inspire other members. If you feel like you have nowhere to start and nothing's happening, get some media testimonies to share. This is what's happening in someone's natural life. And that is a powerful way to inspire your church. So that's the, the second point, inspiration. And we're going to move into the next one, which is training and, you can't see it, training and evangelistic opportunities. Once someone has experienced revival and they are inspired, this is, this is one of the next steps. It's not an ABC thing. We're not trying to give you like, do this, do this, do this, and it will be perfect. But we're just saying these are ingredients that, that really make the recipe the way it should be, you know? And so as you think about it, Renella's going to come up and talk about training and evangelistic opportunities. <laughs> Awesome. This is something I'm very passionate about, especially because over the last few years, as we've been trying to implement it at different churches, it's been literally one of the most amazing experiences. For those of you, and I, keep, I know I keep bringing up canvassers because there's a lot of canvassers here, but um, do you guys remember the first time you had a really incredible experience? And the joy in your heart was like, ah! 
and you didn't know what to do with yourself and you were like going to the van like oh my goodness this just happened this just happened you know and like no one really understands but you and the Lord. It's just incredible. But I've, I thought that that was only, a, you know, something that I got when I was canvassing. I, I had that feeling again. It was incredible. I've canvassed for like 11 summers, and I had it again in a different context than canvassing. I was like, whoa. It actually happened in a church while we were training church members, and I'm going to tell you more about it. This uh, volume 7 of the testimony says, the greatest help that can be given to our people is to teach them to do what? Work for God and to depend on him, not on the ministers. I want to challenge you as people who are not ministers and pastors in here. Don't rely on your pastor. Don't rely on the leadership to do all the work. Imagine yourself as the pastor, as the minister. I have a personal responsibility to spread the gospel. If it's not them, it's me. The people have had too much sermonizing, but have they been taught how to labor for those whom Christ has died, has the line of labor been devised and placed before them in such a way that each has seen the necessity of taking part in the work? Notice that, um, that word that's in all caps. Have they been taught how to labor? Uh, teaching is very important. Being trained is what we're going to talk about really quickly here. Being trained is very important. Ministry of Healing says many would be willing to work if they were what? taught how to begin. They need to be instructed and encouraged. Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Imagine if your church was not just the church you went to on Sabbath and that was the only day it was open. It was like open all throughout the week because night number one we have health expo training. Night number two we have Bible study training. Night number three and it was just a training center. It was like, oh, where do you go to school? Oh, my church. That's where I get my evangelism training from. That's the ideal. That can happen. And this is what she says. Many would be willing to work if they were taught how to begin. We can all uh, relate to that. Sometimes we just don't have enough confidence to step out and do it because we're like, I've never done it before. I'm not really sure where to even start. I don't think I have the skills. But then when you're actually taught, then you feel a little bit better about it, right? It's like after that first or second day of canvassing, uh, maybe the first or second week of canvassing, then you feel a little bit more uh, encouraged. I want to share with you a testimony at, um, during the year, we do something called Fishers of Men 101. And that was actually put together by a guy that's going to be on the panel tomorrow, A.J. Belts. Oh, sorry. T today. <laughs> today. We're not going to be here tomorrow. Today. And um, basically, it's a, a Bible study training for just everyday church members. So we teach people how to give a Bible study off of a Bible study guide. And it's very simple. It's wonderful. We also teach people how to be church members. What do you mean by that, Ronella? How to be a church member? Well, in my mind, a church member is someone that, you know, when, when someone comes through the door at church, the church members go and greet them, right? Incredible concept. You know, you, you actually go and you see a visitor and you're like, oh, that's someone I don't recognize. I should say hi to them. And so um, we teach them how to do that. How do we do that? And this is where that, that awesome feeling comes from that I experienced. Um, I walked into a training, an FM 101 training, and this is what they were doing. We had one line of people at the door pretending to be visitors and one line of people pretending to be church members. And these church members, when the visitor came through the door, the, the visitor, the church member had to go up to them and they had to say, oh, hi, I, I don't recognize you. What's your name? Nathan. Nathan, I'm Renella. It's so nice to meet you. Is this your first time here? Yeah, it looks nice in here. Wow, that's so great. Do you have anyone to sit with? Would you like to come sit with me? Oh, great. Awesome. And then they would have to say, well, you have to stay for potluck afterwards. Okay, so we taught them to say that, and it was incredible because some of these church members were like, okay, um, 
hi, uh, what was the next part? You know, and it was just like, you know, and, and it was so funny because it's not like we don't know how to do that. It's just that sometimes we come to church mainly to be blessed ourselves. Our radar is not on to go bless others, but we're training them. We're training church members to be able to have their radar on, to be in that mindset. We had a church that did this training. This, there was a group that did this training, and their homework, they actually have very practical homework afterwards. There's actually AJ Belts, the person there that actually put together FM 101. Hi. Um, so we, um, we ha- this church did this training, and one of the girls, Emma, Emma is this older um, Filipino lady, and she's maybe, you know, not that old, 60, 70, and she was also very shy. Some Filipinos, some of them are really sanguine, but some of them are really shy. She was one of the shy ones, and uh, she went through this whole training, and so their homework was this Sabbath, when you see a visitor, everyone needs, you know, like, basically you need to find a visitor, encourage them to sit next to you, make them feel welcome, invite them potluck, potluck, blah, blah, blah. So all their radars are on this Sabbath. And, you know, they're all, like, looking around, all the people that were in the class. And all of a sudden, this woman comes into the door that none of them recognize. And so they're all like, you know. And um, it's funny because in some churches, these church members actually compete to see who can get to that person first. It's amazing. I wish all our churches were like that. But Emma happened to be the first one to get to her. She just made a beeline straight to her and went in and encouraged her and just said, hi, you know, come sit next to me. The story comes out that this woman actually that morning, she had had a little bit of Adventist background, but didn't go to church ever. She woke up that morning and thought, you know, I should go to a Seventh-day Adventist church. So she called her mom in Alaska and said, Mom, where should I go to church? And her mom said, Google it. So she Googled one that was nearby. So this woman walked into the Watsonville SCA church, and she walks in, and she ends up meeting Emma. Emma gives her Bible studies because she just learned how. This woman gets baptized, and she says the reason why she kept on coming back to the church is because the church members were so friendly and warm and welcome. Isn't that amazing? With just a little bit of training, just a little bit, very simple. The church members were able to get into the mindset of, they had their paradigm shifted. This is what church is about. Church is about encouraging other people. I don't have the quote, but Ellen White says that God does not now send lots of people to certain churches because those church members wouldn't take care of them. You know, I've been to, as someone that visits many churches, I know which churches, I know the reason why some churches have more church members in it than others. I go to some churches where no one says hi to me. Literally. I'm, I say hi to them because I just, it's hard for me to be in church and not say hi to people. So finally at the end I can't contain myself and I'm like, hi, I'm Renella. What's your name? How long have you been at this church for? I'll tell you about myself. But, you know, our, our churches, if our churches were more warm and welcoming and, and knew how to give Bible studies, knew how to share their faith, I think more people would be willing to work. They just need to be taught simply how to begin. And it's incredible because these, these resources that we have are actually here on this page that we're going to give to you. Maybe you already have it. But um, these are things that you can do. You, especially those of you that have just gone canvassing, you have skills that you can teach other people. Very simple things, along, coupled with inspiring testimonies up front, doing these trainings. just have to share another story. Um, this happened at, uh, in Madeira. And actually, AJ probably could share the story. AJ um, was the Bible worker there. He had just recently come up with FM 101 and had done this training with, um, with this lady uh, named Bonnie. And Bonnie, uh, AJ decided, I have a Bible study that I want to pass off to Bonnie. And so Bonnie went with AJ. She had just gone through the training. And she went with AJ to meet this woman um, that AJ wanted her to study with. And now this woman, her husband was a, used to be a, 
used to be a Baptist preacher. Um, he was deceased. And so she, when she met this lady, when Bonnie met this lady she was supposed to study with, they, they did the visit. Bonnie met her, and they were walking away, and she turns to AJ, and she's like, AJ, that woman is going to eat me for lunch. You know, she thought, this woman used to be a pastor's wife. I know nothing about this. She's going to ask me all these questions. Have you guys felt that way before? You're kind of afraid because you're like, what if they ask me a question I don't know how to answer? You know, and all these fears. But AJ instructed, had instructed her, and he continued to encourage her, and, she's, and he told her, you know what, Bonnie, don't worry about it. You've been in Adventist for 70 years. You know your stuff. And so, and this woman had never given a Bible study in her life, right? Anyway, long story short, Bonnie ended up studying with this lady, and uh, this woman ended up getting baptized. Another one of the, this lady's friends got baptized. And when I saw Bonnie, Bonnie said, you know, last year I was praying for two souls. This year I'm praying for four souls. Amen. She was so excited. And this woman, when I went up to visit this church. She was up front. She was like taking the mic. She's like, everyone here needs to be giving Bible studies. You need to go through FM 101. You know, she was so excited about it. She used to be so timid. And now she's telling everyone, you can win souls too. And that's the multiplication effect of training. When you're training a group of people, it doesn't have to be a very big group. I want to give you a few, um, a few pointers here. When you're doing trainings, um, you know, weekend seminars are nice. They're a little bit more for inspiration more than actual training. When you want someone to actually go out and do a Bible study or go and do something like a health expo, it needs to be um, a good amount of time. It depends on what it is. A health expo maybe doesn't need as much training or whatever. But um, as far as Bible studies, you want it to be um, eight to ten weeks, maybe one, one night a week. Something where in the middle they can have homework. Some of the homework is to work on the Bible study, to go out with a Bible worker for half an hour, like literally that's their homework. That week they have to schedule it in and go with them. And it gives them the confidence. You want there to be practical applications. Accountability is huge. In the Adventist church, we don't have... I am just talking. Okay, what time is it? Okay, good. Um, In the Adventist church, we don't have a lot of accountability when it comes to winning souls. We think it's a nice thing, and we all say we should do it, but when it comes to accountability, there's not much. That's where inspiration is really nice, because you have a church service where the whole sermon time you're just sharing testimonies, then people think, oh, okay, next Sabbath, we're going to be sharing testimonies. I better do something for evangelism this week, because I want to have something to share. (laughs) I've actually led out in church services in sermon times where we don't do a sermon, and I just call on people to share testimonies. It's incredible. Yes. People are, and like at first it's a little intimidating because it's like, is anyone going to share anything? But you know what? People should do stuff. I mean, in Adventist churches, people are doing evangelism. But they, sometimes they don't have a platform to share. And uh, we've had some awesome experiences where out of the woodwork, people are like, wow, you're giving a Bible study? You're sharing your faith with this person? And it's awesome. That helps give accountability. Anything that will give accountability for people. And, and you know, not to the point of like, you know, if you go, don't go do this, you're going to lose your salvation. But accountability like, hey, let's all do this together. You know, like, did you share your faith this week? Um, so that's what that small group training does is you share with one another what's happened and you have homework that you have to do. A few more things here. Um, this is something that you can do. When you go back to your church, ask your pastor or church leader, can we have a training? Can you teach me how to do this? I have a great pastor. His name is Alvin Mirage. And I've asked him, I'm like, can you teach me how to preach, please? I need some pointers. And he's a powerful preacher. Go to your leaders of your church and ask them. Um, I'll hire someone that you, this is more for those that maybe here are on a church board or whatever that have a little bit more power. Um, hire someone who can train. This is a great book. Have you guys heard of Fulfilling God's End Time Mission by Mark Finley? 
I would highly recommend that book. If you want to do something in evangelism, um, whether it's an evangelistic series or your church doesn't know where to start or you don't know where to start, you get that book. Basically, this is everything that Mark Finley has done in like decades of evangelism all in one book. And he gives practical things. What he even has on the back, there's like a, a, a page that you can print that has, um, you know, the, the, uh, the letter that you give to your uh, a boss if you're trying to get the Sabbath off. I mean, that's how, that's how detailed this book is. The Discipleship Handbook is amazing. I haven't looked into it a ton, but from what I've seen, it's very simple and practical. You can look for that online. Christian Service, obviously. Ellen White, a lot of what we're sharing here is from inspiration. Um, on the card that we're going to give you, it has our contact information if you want um, more information on that. i got to wrap this up here. Um, uh, yeah. All right, on, on this card that we're going to show you um, that you guys might have. No, nah, we can do it at the end. Yeah, you can get them before you leave. There are a whole bunch of evangelistic opportunities that you can be involved in. Um, when you have, you can have inspiration at your church, you're sharing testimonies. You can have training, but now it's time. Oh, hi. But now it's time to actually go and do something, Right. So no matter what it is, maybe you have a church where there's like a whole bunch of mechanics. I've heard about a church, I forgot where it was, but the church had a whole bunch of mechanics. And so one Sunday, they advertised that they were going to do some free basic mechanical things for your car. And a whole bunch of people came out and they made a whole bunch of connections with the community. And it was amazing. They just used what they had. Do you have a church that's full of nurses and doctors? Do a health expo. Do you have a church that has a whole, you know, like, what does your church have? What do you have? What do you and your small group of five friends have that you can do in the community? Just do something. Do anything. Can you give a Bible study? You know, teach someone else how to do it. On this card, it has a whole bunch of different things. Obviously, GLOW. I encourage you guys to go on GLOW mission trips. Have you guys ever heard of GLOW mission trips? This stuff is amazing. I went to Philadelphia and San Francisco. It's like canvassing on steroids. I mean, it's incredible, and it's only 10 days. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, you know, go do things like that. Go to Youth Thresh. Those of you who have never done it before, these are training opportunities as well as evangelistic opportunities that will help you be able to bring it back to your church. Um, I don't have to go into that too much as far as evangelism. This is kind of what we're talking about, this whole thing, is that do, do what you have a talent for, an interest in, what your church has an interest in, and maybe you want to survey your church. Send out a survey one Sabbath um, during the service and have them fill out what they're interested in doing. Um, lastly, I want to share this last quote here, okay? Because I know we're talking, I've said a lot about Bible studies. We've talked about preaching. Evangelism is not just about Bible studies and preaching. Evangelism is everyday life. Whether you are paid to work at the church, whether you are a literature evangelist during your youth rush, whatever you're doing, you should be sharing your faith wherever you go. And that's what we talked about in the first se session Genuine revival leads to total member involvement because it's just a part of you. You don't have to force yourself to do it. You just want to. Yeah. It's importance of revival. Every year, millions upon millions of human souls are passing into eternity unwarned and what? Unsaved. unsaved. From hour to hour in our varied life, opportunities to reach and save souls are open to us. She says from hour to hour. That's incredible. These opportunities are what? continually coming and going. God desires us to make the most of them. Days, weeks, and months are passing. We have one day, one week, one month less in which to do our work. What I want you to understand about this quote is that it's an everyday life. You can do events. 
You can do a lot of events at your church, but remember it's just in the everyday interactions of your daily life that something could happen. You know, I want you to think about that. In your daily life, there are continual opportunities coming and going. It's about us being open to the Holy Spirit, right? So that we take those opportunities. So I just wanted to make sure that's clear in your mind. It's not just about Bible studies. It's not just about evangelistic series and things like that, public evangelism. It's about where, sharing your faith with your coworker when you're at the grocery store, whatever you're doing with GLOW, every single, everyday life, taking those opportunities. I'm going to pass it off to Heidi here, who's going to finish up for us, talking about how to help all of the evangelism that you do at your church actually work together. Powerful testimony happened in El Cajon. There was four Bible workers, one evangelist, and one pastor. And they were excited because they were doing a cycle of evangelism in their church. They wanted to see things happen. They wanted to see total member involvement. They wanted to see baptisms. And these four Bible workers are working. The evangelist is amazing, on point. They're all excited. They're preparing for the evangelistic series. They do the evangelistic series. They start following up. And as they're looking through all of the people that made decisions for baptism, they see something really amazing. Forty, over 40 people made a decision for baptism, okay? Over 40 people. And as they're looking through these cards, they find that only two of them have come from the Bible worker team. I know. A little bit disappointing, right, to a Bible worker for you to sit there and think we had four Bible workers, one evangelist, one pastor, and only two from us. But as they started looking at all of the other people who had been baptized, they saw six of them had come in from the time ministry. Five had come because of the health ministry. Three had come because of this ministry. Over 12 ministries were involved in bringing in those 42 people. Isn't that awesome? That is the power of synergy, my friends. That is the power of synergy, of working together. And as we think about that, there's, it's, it's amazing to look at, at the power of unity and harmony. Now, I know this is a little bit uh, <laughs> scary to think about, but listen, listen to this quote. It says, The willing subjects of Satan are faithful, active, and united in one object. It's kind of sick to think about. But it says, the willing subjects of Satan are faithful, active, and united in one object. And although they hate and war with one another, yet they improve every opportunity to advance their common interest. It, it is. Yeah, Renella says disgusting. It's a disgusting quote to think about. But these, these evil angels are united in one purpose. The question is, are we? Are we? At our churches, in our schools, are we united for one purpose? As we're, as we're working together, is there synergy? Is it my ministry is better than yours? You know? Is it I want more to come in through me than will come through, through you, Cedric? Or is it how much can God do through us together? Right? So when you think about synergy, what is synergy doing? It's decreasing pride... And it's increasing humility. Amen? Because it's, it's us working together. And it's seeing that in heaven, it's not going to be like, oh, literature evangelism got all the souls. No. It's every single ministry working together, God used for the salvation of men. So as we think about synergy, thinking back to the, the disciples, it says, 
One interest prevailed. These are the apostles. One object swallowed up all others. It sounds like they're in love, right? <laughs> when you think about one object, you know, you're like, ah. Oh. You know, right before I got married, I was so enthralled with the one I was going to marry. And here it says, one interest prevailed, one object swallowed up all others, all hearts beat in harmony. Are your hearts beating in harmony today? The only ambition of the believers was to do two things, to reveal the likeness of Christ's character and to labor for the enlargement of his kingdom. Isn't that awesome? It's like the only thing, like I'm walking out of this door and the only thing I want to do is reveal Christ and enlarge his kingdom. Like that's why I exist, right? And, and that's what they all experienced. It says these scenes are to be repeated with greater, and with greater power. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the former rain, but the latter rain will be more abundant. I, I remind you, success in any line demands a definite aim. So synergy and working together, you need one goal. You need one focus. And so as you're working together with your churches, as you're working together with your teams, remember that success in any line demands a definite aim. And what is our definite aim? Well, Acts of the Apostles tells us that the church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. It was organized for service. And its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. There's our mission statement, right? So how can we develop a total member involvement synergy in our churches? These are some of the strategies that we have um, put into place when we're doing synergy at a church. This is practical, um, practically speaking. The first thing is getting all of the, like anyone that is a ministry leader, a passionate ministry leader, whether it be health, whether it be literature, whether it be children's ministries, whatever it is, all of those ministry leaders in one room, and this is a different meeting than board meeting, okay? This is not board meeting. Board meeting, you're dealing with all kinds of administration. This is not a board meeting, folks. This is a leadership meeting, okay? It's a leadership meeting that is evangelistically focused, where every single ministry can plan the year-round calendar together, right? where you're thinking, where are we headed? Lord, what do you want us to do first? How can we all be preparing for one object? How can we all be working towards one goal? And there's, there's some ministries, right, where maybe you look at them and you're like, Pathfinders isn't really evangelistic, but can it be? Amen. You know, children's ministry is not really evangelistic, but can it be? So, so if everyone has the object of being that agency of salvation, right, we can see synergy happening when we focus on the same thing, and that is bringing people, adding stones to the building of God. Yeah. Adding stones. So have a meeting. Pull everyone together. Now, you may not be the one to do this, but you can go to your pastor and you can talk about it, right? You can be like, hey, can we, can we do something together synergistically where we can focus on, on one goal and one purpose? Now, um, one, one powerful thing, when you get together before you plan anything, what should you do? United prayer, please. Taking that time, because the apostles, I don't believe that their hearts were beating in harmony just because. What were they doing for days and days and days together? They were praying. So again, it's coming back to this, what are you doing together, and will God bring your hearts into harmony? Absolutely. Does he want to? Yes. And he can. United prayer, those leaders who have a burden to see something happen synergistically, ministries working together. Then, 
have each ministry have a relationship building focus. It's powerful to see. That's what these ministries in El Cajon had. The, the health ministry, they were evangelistic and they wanted to build relationships through their ministry. Then the Thai group was building relationships through their ministry. Um, whatever they were doing, they were building relationships so that they could then, when it came time for an evangelistic series, they were not inviting strangers to a meeting, but who were they inviting? They were inviting friends. And that's the power of synergistically focused work leading towards what we call calendar-driven events. And this is powerful. you got to put something on the calendar. You really do. Like something on the calendar. We've seen years where there's nothing on the calendar, like they're not working towards, say, an evangelistic series. I'll use that as an example. It's not in their cycle of evangelism. Their cycle, there is no real cycle. There's nothing that they're pushing for as a calendar-driven event. And there haven't been as many people added to the church. They haven't been added daily, you know, things like that. But when there's something put on the calendar, like in February, we are doing an evangelistic series. All of us are working forward to that. We're building relationships through all of these different means. And we're all working together for the same goal. After that evangelistic series, which is really just the tip of the iceberg, right? Afterwards, you're doing tons of follow-up where all of those ministries are then nurturing the, the precious people that have come in, right? So it's this full circle experience of leading up to something, preparing for something, doing it together, and then doing preservation afterwards um, to see that really happen. But calendar-driven events, it's amazing when you give someone a goal of something that you're shooting for, something that we're moving for together. And um, now I do not think that calendar-driven events are total member involvement. I say they aid in total member involvement because you have a goal. You have something to achieve, something to accomplish together, and they're very encouraging. Um, and last but not least, just having a unified ministry, mission, and vision, and really, really having that in a clear way um, in your minds. Now, uh, let's see here. We are going to have a Q&A in our next session. Um, so we do want to invite you back for that if you can. We'll have some time to talk about maybe questions like, what, what if I'm in a church where, you know, they're all older people, there's not a lot of youth. What do I do? You know, it doesn't seem like they're able to do as much. What do I do in that situation? Maybe there's other questions that you do have um, that, that you really want to bring to the table. But before you leave um, today, we want to hand out these cards to you um, at the end. And, and actually, Renella, can you hand these out? I do want to do this right now. Um, I, I, there's a card that's going to be handed out right now. Um, a couple guys will help with it. But it's, it's the total member involvement resolution. And as, as you think about this, we're going to... Um, I want you to just start thinking about this. If you're coming back to the next session, you can fill it out at that time. If you feel like you're going to be moving on, um, we would invite you to fill this out and, and turn it in at the door when you leave. Um, but this total member involvement resolution, what can you practically do? Um, the first thing is, I want to experience a greater revival and commitment to God's work. If that is your desire, check the box and say, yes, this is something I want to experience. Um, secondly, I sense God calling me to be more involved in building his church through a specific ministry. Maybe there's something that you sense God calling you specifically um, towards. 
Or third, I commit to approach the leadership of my local church with a vision for total member involvement. Maybe that's something you want to see happen at your church and you want to approach your pastor because we're not here saying go into your churches and make a stir and not communicate. That's not what we're trying to say. We're saying go into your church and communicate and be willing to work at seeing this happen. And then last but not least, I'm willing to lead and inspire others in total member involvement. I want to multiply. Um, so if you can fill that out, we do, um, we do want to invite you to be a part of a Facebook page that we have um, or that we are starting. It's an exciting Facebook page where you can interact. You can share stories of people getting involved. You can ask questions and say, this isn't working at my church. What can I do? Troubleshooting, things like that. Um, so this information is not so that we can sign you up for something crazy. It's just to give you that one invitation to interact with us after. Um, but why don't we just go ahead and close out this session um, with a word of prayer. And again, if you're staying for the next session, you can turn that in later. If you're leaving, please turn it in at the door so that we can uh, get in contact with you. Father God, Lord, when we think about these different strategies and resources. And we recognize that our greatest strategy is following the Lamb wherever He goes. That our greatest resource is on our knees when, when we alone agonize and pray with You. And Lord, I just pray that You would give us a greater hunger and a greater thirst to see total member involvement in our churches. Lord, help us to be willing to sacrifice for it. Um, to be willing to pray for it until it happens. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that your blessing would rest upon each one in this room, that you take them back. Lord, I believe they are influential people. I believe that they love you and that they want others to love you. And I just pray that you would take this group and that you would help them to be um, instruments and agents of change and of growth in their churches, in their schools, and in their families. Thank you for hearing this prayer in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.